Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Two Bros Podcast. I'm joined by my little brother. How are you, sir? Hello, hello. Good day, sir. And a very good day to you. Well, well, well. It's been an eventful week in the Premier League. Where do we begin? I think 2020 strikes again at this point. Well, there's a joke doing the rounds that even in 2020, Arsenal continue to be the same old Arsenal. <laughs> so why don't we begin there? Let's, let's for instance, let's go back to the first game of the game week, if we can, where now Aston Villa have also dropped points and now no team is left which uh, haven't dropped points at all. So that's just the, the, you know, the, the start that we've gotten off to in the Premier League this season. Well, brother, before we celebrate uh, Happy Invincibles Day, which technically is the day no other team can technically match the Arsenal Invincibles, <laughs> please talk us through the, the first match of this game week. Did you see this coming? No, I really didn't. I mean, the way Villa were playing, the way they were, uh, you know, confident... And they were playing at home uh, and given the fact that Leeds were, uh, you know, really struggling in the recent game weeks, for them to suddenly show up and uh, win convincingly and get a clean sheet at uh, Villa Park, uh, Patrick Bamford getting a hat-trick there, I, was, I, I really didn't see it coming, but uh, they fully deserved it. Well, certainly they did and a Bamford hat-trick by now is old news. Uh, if you look at the stats of the match, uh, Leeds actually had 27 shots and 9 shots on target. What do you make of that? Well, suddenly, I mean, to be honest, this was a late Friday night kickoff. I didn't catch the game. I did just, uh, I just saw the, the replay the next day. But yeah, I mean, they, they really looked uh, convincing, to be honest, the way they've uh, taken this game. And maybe Bielsa has made some changes uh, to his attacking plan and... Uh, you know, Bamford, uh, I mean, agreed that he's uh, not had the greatest time in the Premier League in the past as well. But suddenly he's become the target man for Leeds and he is uh, delivering the goods for them. And uh, a, fully, a fully deserved hat-trick for him. Well, the funny thing is people were quick to dismiss Leeds as a counter-attacking uh, side after the first two games. But in this game, they enjoyed 60% possession. Now, another thing uh, that I would say I got wrong is my captaincy. And I had uh, a left field pick of uh, a certain Ollie Watkins as my captain. Mm -hmm. And he scored a grand total of two points. Right. Uh, which gives me, I think, the lowest scoring captain of the game week at four. But uh, let's move on. Let's move on to the big billing. And Man City were uh, expected to bounce back in some fashion. But again, David Moyes working his magic. Talk us about what happened here. So again, West Ham uh, looking, you know, they look very convincing. Uh, they got the early goal by Mikel Antonio, that guy again. I don't know what he's been drinking lately. But yeah, I mean, it looked like West Ham uh, dictated the game for uh, large periods of the of the match. And uh, it was a substitution of Phil Foden at half time that uh, really made a difference. They It was a very good uh, move where, uh, you know, the ball cut in from the left. I can't remember. I think it was Jao Cancelo who crossed the ball and Phil Foden, after taking a kind of a messy first touch, really put it in past the keeper. And uh, even after putting on the likes of uh, De Bruyne at 68 minutes, it didn't really uh, feel like the pendulum was going to swing City's way. West Ham looked like they were completely in control and they, they probably could have uh, taken all three points in the end. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot early in this season mm -hmm. and ask you, where is Pep's team heading? Early predictions. 
well we know we know the quality that uh, is there in the team not just in the management not just in the you know, also in the players there is uh, you know a drive to uh, you know win trophies now at at uh, city as much as i hate to say it and we know the quality with pep we know his drive he's just not a guy who's going to be happy with uh, you know second third fourth he is going to go for those trophies but the way man city have started with their injury troubles i personally feel they haven't replaced uh, the likes of david silva they haven't got a like for like replacement i mean de bruyne again has been injured he's just come back into the squad they have been playing with uh, bernardo silva and gundogan and uh, maybe phil foden has chipped in with a goals a few goals here and there but they haven't they lack the creativity in the middle that they got with uh, david silva you know that the playmaker the key playmaker is gone now with maybe de bruyne coming back and maybe starting games again for city we might see that turning uh, at some point but uh, as of now they're they're strictly strictly average so where do you think they are heading uh, title contenders or you know top 4 see they're not uh, all the way off now if 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 my memory serves me right the gap between the first place and the and the, the 17th place is a mere 10 points and that's like three games you know and with the, now everyone struggling to you know match for me you know, even everton dropped points and that was a bit of a shocker we'll talk about that later it's not like they are off the pace already and they have a lot of uh, time to cover the ground i would say if uh, city and liverpool again remain the two big title contenders as always for this season we might see a few surprise uh, entries in the top 4 say for instance everton are doing quite well and i do expect them to continue their form but uh, a, a finish outside of uh, top 4 is very uh, unlikely for this uh, pep side i would say okay fair enough and uh, apart from fulham and crystal palace which was again a wilfred zaha show mm-hmm. the other big match on saturday was of course the united chelsea showdown yeah now some people have gone on record and said this was the biggest waste of 15 pounds uh you know in 2020 what are your thoughts about the game and you know was it as dreary as people have made it out to be no not really it was it had all the uh, ingredients to be an explosive match but it turned out to be a very uh, dull kind of an affair and uh, credit to chelsea's uh, goalkeeper mendy he kept them uh, in the game is his name mendy yeah yes. it is mendy so credit to him i mean he saved uh, two shots from uh, rashford and one uh, curling effort from matter i mean there were some really incredible saves that he pulled off and uh, if if that wasn't the case uh, you know united would have uh, sealed a comfortable uh, victory at home for the first time this season chelsea on the other hand were quite uh, quite lackluster and for the likes of werner and uh, havertz completely missing uh, from the game from the play and what really shocked me was uh, chelsea with all that all that talent on the pitch all that uh, you know uh, you know they had they were playing the likes of uh, chilwell and reece james as as wing backs and they had pulisic and uh, havertz as well they still insisted on going long and maybe finding the run of werner on the left or or the right or somebody you know they, they they just didn't like to play the ball through the park or maybe you know use their creativity as such because i think it's too early for this uh, chelsea side and you throw in an inexperienced manager like uh, lampard i mean i'm not questioning his credentials maybe he just doesn't know how to Uh, you know use this team to their uh, maximum potential and come up with a game plan that you know uses the qualities of the players that he's got on the pitch now clearly it's an entirely new side they will take time to gel with each other and that you know that's pretty much how it goes with new signings now this guy has signed an entire team and uh, yeah i think it's going to take some time but uh, chelsea were pretty pretty lackluster and they were there for the taking 
I'm going to put you on the spot again and ask you a contentious question. Frank Lampard, do you see him surviving the season? I think he might. I think he will. Because, well, I mean, if not Lampard, then who else? You know, they brought in Lampard during their uh, the campaign where they had uh, the transfer ban as a, as a maybe like a feel-good signing for the fans to maybe pacify them a little bit. And to be honest, Frank Lampard did quite well. I mean, finishing fourth with a transfer ban, that was uh, quite something. And we saw the quality that Chelsea had. And throughout the last season, they held on to the top four position. In fact, they were third for the longest time and it was only on the last day that United uh, snuck past them. So we know the quality there. I think it's a matter of time and because he's got such a new squad now which haven't really spent time as much with each other. I mean, uh, I think he's going to survive. He is going to do well. He is a good manager, but uh, I think they need to come up with a solid game plan that, you know, utilizes the, these players uh, to their uh, potential. Fair enough. Now, Liverpool returned to the winning ways early on Sunday. They put two goals past Sheffield United, who frankly, uh, I mean, after they got their customary goal, they didn't really look like they had an answer. In fact, uh, they got one through the through a penalty. And again, they didn't look like scoring from open play. So, Liverpool returning to winning ways. Uh, should we talk about uh, the unexpected loss early on Sunday, which is Everton? Losing away at Southampton yeah. and uh, Luca Dinia getting red carded and uh, banned for the subsequent three games. What happened there in your opinion? No, so this is a game I did see because uh, the, the biggest uh, talking point of last game week was uh, the injury to James Rodriguez and they, he might miss this fixture. Now that caused a lot of concern on uh, fellow FPL managers. A lot of them getting rid of him, a lot of them benching him, including myself really. But uh, James Rodriguez did play and uh, they were basically playing a full strength except uh, the likes of Richarlison who was suspended from a red card. But Southampton, two very well taken goals set up by Danny Ings and converted, uh, I think the first goal by was by Che Adams and the second one, oh, no, the first goal was by Watt Prowse and the second one was by Che Adams. Again, there were defensive errors, same similar kind of an area where they scored, the right hand side of the of the penalty box. The area which is basically marked by Dinia. He was kind of found out of place. So not a good game for Dinia, especially because he went and got himself red carded towards the end of the of the game. Well, good points there. But Southampton has, have always been a dangerous team. And you know, it, it is always about which Southampton shows up. And against Everton, they did show up. And even when a certain Theo Walcott was not in their playing eleven, they managed to play very well down the right-hand side. Now, Wolves and Newcastle, they played out a 1-1 draw where a worldie scored by Raul Jimenez mm-hmm. was cancelled uh, out late by Newcastle uh, where Jacob Murphy called in a free kick. It is arguable that both the goalkeepers were at fault. You know, both uh, the Wolves and the Newcastle keepers letting in goals that they should have saved. As a goalkeeper yourself, what are, what is your view about the goals that they let in? But to be honest, I haven't really seen the goals because this was again a late night fixture at uh, on on Saturday night, so I haven't seen the goals as yet. But damn, I was I was glad that Jimenez scored a goal because he is in my team. And uh, kudos to all these people who had Roman Saiz in their team because he was subbed at 68 minutes. He got all four points for a clean sheet, while I had uh, Max Kilman in my team, who did in fact continue, but because of the goal they conceded in the 89th minute, he did not in fact, get those clean sheet points. So, lucky people who picked uh, Roman Saiz there. 
Well, I will take your congratulations uh, wholeheartedly. I had Roman Sais in my team, but to be honest, I did not know that if a person can, if a person's team concedes a goal after he has left the pitch, then he won't be penalized for it. I think this is a change that's been made in the last season or two. No, no, no. It's been there for a while. I've I've, I've noticed this. It's been there for a while. Wow, kudos to me then. <laughs> so yeah, full six points for uh, Roman Saiz. And of course, I was glad Jimenez scored as well because I was very nervous about people having Harry Kane as their captain. And I had taken a punt on uh, Ollie Watkins and uh, I thought Tottenham would struggle at Burnley away, which they did. But Kane ended up getting his inevitable goal and assist uh, with Son. Yep. And uh, as a result, Tottenham are flying high. Tottenham are now all the way up to fifth and just two points off the lead let's uh we'll come back to that game because that was a late uh, monday night fixture let's talk about the arsenal leicester game another game that i happened to miss tell us uh, I'm, I'm sure you caught it tell us tell us uh, what uh, that game was like well what can i add that has not already been screamed in social media already mm-hmm. people have called it the return of the 2015-2016 Arsenal, where uh, possession stats used to be in the 60s and 70s and there used to be ample sideways passing. And uh, we used to struggle to break down teams just uh, because our passing was going from side to side. Mm-hmm. So this was the, I think, the most awful version of Arsenal that I've been unfortunate to see over the last 10-12 years. And, uh, you know, there was an early goal and there's been debate about whether Shaka was actually offside or in the keeper's line of vision, etc. My my point is that that call was irrelevant. It it happened in the fourth minute or the fifth minute, mm-hmm. and really it shouldn't have any bearing of the on the game. Uh, when you look at the stats, you'll see that Arsenal had eleven shots in the first half, and it is true that in the first half they harried and pressed, etc. But you know. What the stats won't show is that the main creative outlet was David Luiz. He was pinging balls from the right side of the field onto Kieran Tierney uh, at the left, almost the left wing position. And Tierney was putting balls in. Sometimes he was loath to sort of try and take on the man. I don't know if he was carrying an injury or if he was just, you know, being a little pessimistic. But I don't think there was all that much service. And Lacazette had a really poor game and so did Dani Sabayas. And as Arsenal faded in the second uh, half, the stage was set for who else but Jamie Vardy. And rightly, uh, predicted rightly so in our last, uh, in our uh, you know preview episode, that if a certain Jamie Vardy is fit for the map for the match, he will uh, turn into a thorn in the side of an Arsenal because he does love to score against Arsenal. And, uh, you know, along with Jamie Wardy, I think uh, Danny Ings and Jamie Wardy are two of the most underrated uh, FPL picks today. Uh, I know that a lot of people tend to pick the Salas and the De Bruyneers, but these two guys, they are a surefire 6, 12, 14 points anytime you pick them. And uh, talking about FPL, uh, there's an interesting stat that I read uh, on Twitter today. It said uh, certain Obama Yang has not delivered any returns for the last four game weeks. He does cost about 11.9 and uh, somehow, somehow I was wise enough to get rid of him before the game week and I replaced him with Mane who did uh, chip in with an assist. So that uh, worked in my favor and if you're looking for a budget uh, striker then I know Danny Ings isn't cheap but uh, 
I mean, neither is Jamie Vardy, to be honest, but they are good picks, you know, to uh, get some short shot returns. Now that uh, Danny Ings has turned into a provider as well as a goal scorer for his team. So he might be an interesting pick. Now we're going to gloss over this uh, Brighton-West Brom game, which finished 1-1. But frankly, who cares? You know, no, I can't even be bothered. Uh, talking about the, the the last game of the game week, which was uh, Burnley at uh, Burnley and uh, Spurs. Now, this was a prediction that you had made and I didn't uh, quite agree to it because... I figured it was going to be a demolition by Spurs, given the form that they were in and, you know, the the likes of Kane and Son uh, firing on all cylinders and uh, Gareth Bale getting fit again. But it was it was a tough fiction. I would say one is a very uh, humbling kind of a, uh, you know, full time result. I had uh, made this prediction with two things in mind, really. Uh, The first being that Burnley away is a long trip and the stadium and the team are notoriously difficult to play against. And the fact that Tottenham had made a long European trip in the midweek. Um, or if they hadn't made a trip, at least they had had a game in the midweek with with uh, several first-team regulars playing. But Burnley away is always tough and Tottenham came away with the three points. Uh, Mourinho would be delighted and they are in the top five. Yep, and uh, this Spurs might just surprise us this season again. You know, given the form that uh, the others are in, dropping points left, right and centre. Jose Mourinho finally seems to be getting his act together. And historically, it's his second season at every club he's been in that he does his best. Take it, uh, when it was Real Madrid, it was United, it was Inter, it was Porto, whatever. It was his second season where he really delivered the good stuff. Now, we come into... uh, Match week number two for the Champions League as well. That is uh, in a few hours from now where a lot of uh, very uninteresting fixtures this time, to be honest. I mean, uh, I, I guess for today, Atletico Madrid versus Salzburg stands out. That's pretty much it. And I suppose Marseille versus Man City away at Marseille should be a, a, a good game. And uh, apart from that, I don't really see anything standing out. It's uh, on Wednesday night slash Thursday morning for our Indian listeners where things start to get real. Juventus versus Barcelona game. Now that has fireworks written all over it. But Ronaldo is going to be missing. Yep. A lot of people were looking forward to, you know, a a Messi-Ronaldo showdown. But uh, let's just dial back to the game tonight. Uh, You know, because Madrid lost their first game against Shakhtar and that too at home, all of a sudden this game, away at Munchen Gladbach, has turned into a very, very interesting fixture. Because if they drop points today, all of a sudden they are going to be in a position where they are third or fourth in their group with you know, with them yet to play Inter Milan, who are flying really high. And Inter Milan, assuming that Inter Milan and Real Madrid would split points over two legs, then that leaves Real Madrid in a sticky kind of situation where they'll have to go to Shakhtar and get a win. So that's a little bit tricky if the unthinkable does happen and it is 2020 after all. We might see Madrid playing in the Europa League. <laughs> Won't that be a sight? But uh, mind you, uh, Madrid are coming off a fresh uh, El Clasico victory where they won 3-1. They will probably uh, look to continue that form against uh, Munchen Gladbach and uh, you know you would expect them to win. Now the another interesting fixture... Uh, not really interesting for a, well, I suppose you could say that, but uh, very nervy times for United fans uh, all over the world. 
uh, united play red bull leipzig at uh, at old trafford now what what do we expect from this team like i haven't really followed them as much are they any good well leipzig uh, have always made the news uh, by being what dortmund used to be in the last couple of seasons as the guys who are closest to bayern apart from that they've only made the news when it comes to selling players so i reckon timo werners from leipzig and uh, uh, so is the most uh, or should i say the second most sought after center back in europe today which is obamecano and uh, leipzig seem to be that team that is mining good talent at good prices and uh, making the most of it so uh, of course they are bankrolled by red bull and red bull happens to be very very savvy in uh, sport marketing uh, so they're a, apparently a well run club and they play an attacking kind of football now united uh, so far i feel that uh, they've benefited from being uh, from playing away from pressure but this one's a game at old trafford and uh, on the back of them not being able to break down chelsea I don't know really uh, they'll be fresh off of uh, PSG's defeat and a second victory in two games would really set them in the pole position to gain qualification what do you think I think uh, I really think United could have won that game had it not been uh, for the keeper but that being said there was a penalty that probably Chelsea deserved that uh, they didn't get so I'll <clears throat> I'll take my uh, you know I'll take my nil nil any day over a one nil loss at Old Trafford again another home defeat is something I don't want and uh, i think united would want to build on their uh, convincing victory against psg they would solskjaer did say in the post match conference that united intend to get to 10 points as soon as possible and ensure a qualification and beating uh, leipzig would really not only boost the confidence of a squad that is kind of struggling at the moment mentally and uh, you know uh, with the, with the form as well i think the likes of uh, cavani finally getting fit and uh, you know playing a few minutes uh, uh, you know against the chelsea game would really uh you know build a bit of a boost in the in the in the locker room so to speak and i hope kavani starts he did uh, get some really good touches he almost scored from uh, two different uh, occasions but he was uh, let's say unlucky the the keeper did well to palm the ball away and the uh, the second instance thiago silva was there to uh, to block his shot but he got in some really good positions and he looked uh, like a man who's hungry for some goals so with kavani leading the line and uh, mind you marcial being available for uh, this game week uh, this uh, champions league fixture because he's not he's only uh, banned uh, not not banned what do you say suspended suspended domestically, suspended domestically. but uh, cavani and marcial leading the line with rashford uh, supplying and uh, you know bruno fernandes uh, pumping in balls i think uh, there's a good chance united might get all three points for this one uh speaking of touches kavani almost had the most famous first touch in english football oh yeah that would that, that would have been something first touch. that would have been that something was i was almost half out of my seat because of the first touch yeah the headlines were just there you know the new number 7 scored from his first touch i mean yeah it's it's all there sadly it didn't happen wouldn't that have been something yeah now with that uh, we come to the fag end of this uh, game week uh, which is uh, dortmund and zenit and sevilla playing ren mm-hmm. pretty straightforward home victories uh, but this is 2020 mm-hmm. after all so uh, we would back the home teams but uh, can't rule out an upset um still early days in champions league but with this new system wherein teams are playing every week Do you foresee this to be an opportunity for domestic uh, challengers? For example, 
you know, a Leverkusen or a, uh, you know, any other team in La Liga like Sociedad or Villarreal to beat the hegemony that clubs have got. In fact, in England, I think this is a great opportunity for Everton to go out and, you know, grab that top four or potentially even put themselves uh, in the race for the title. Yeah, this is going to go on for the next game week as well. So that's essentially three matches per week for three weeks. And that's a lot. And for any squad that uh, lacks, you know, the kind of depth for United, for instance, I mean, we lack a lot of depth. That is a factor. And like rightly said, you know, this uh, this thing is going to continue because the season is going to be shorter. They have compressed it because of the coronavirus. They will have to wrap up the game weeks quicker and faster to get back on schedule. This might just be a factor and rightly so, you know, because uh, and I think... Uh, the likes of Everton, like you said, and we had discussed, we had mentioned this in the previous episode as well. Not having any European fixtures uh, is definitely going to favor the the non uh, you know European participants in the Premier League or any other league, for instance. It's going to be uh, you know really interesting. I just saw a post on Instagram a few hours ago which said the top five leaders in the main uh, leagues of Europe. It was uh, English league was uh, Everton and Spanish league was uh, Sociedad and the French league was Rennes. German League was somebody else. It was just not something you would predict, uh, you know. So it's it's all over the place, and you you never know. These things do factor in, and with the travel and with you know the extended uh, quarantining and getting health checks here and health checks there and blah blah blah. It might just uh, it might just weigh in. It might just. And with that having been said, I think it's time we bring this to a wrap. Uh, closing thoughts on who Man United should start and who Man United should uh, Man United should rest against Leipzig. I would really like to see. Uh, I honestly feel really bad for Donny Van de Beek. I would really want him to see and get some ninety minutes. And uh, I would want to see more of Alex Telles because he really impressed me against uh, against PSG. And surprisingly, he didn't even make the bench against uh, the Chelsea uh, Chelsea game. And of course, the big man up front, Edinson Cavani. And the new signing, we keep forgetting about the new signing. Pelistri was on the bench against Chelsea. He didn't feature. I do want to see these new boys and see what they can do. Uh, For me, uh, honestly, Dan James has had two games. He started against PSG and he played against Chelsea. I mean, God bless the kid. He's a good guy, but he's just not uh, delivering the goods for United at the moment. I would like to see him drop off to the the bench. And uh, the general consensus about Dan James on, on Twitter, for instance, was... The man is not ready yet. Maybe send him out on loan for a few uh, seasons. And then once he's a proper player, once he's got that confidence back, then maybe bring him back into the team because he has that quality. He got off to a good start at United. But right now, I don't know what it is. He's just not uh, delivering the good stuff. And there are enough players waiting on the sidelines to get a chance like uh, Van de Beek, for instance. Thank you so much for those interesting thoughts. I really do hope Cavani sets the... Or sets the stadium, you know, Old Trafford on fire. Uh, I think it's overdue that the legendary number seven shirt has a worthy occupant. And uh, I think we'll keep an eye out for those uh, for those moments that Edinson Cavani we know is capable of delivering. Another guy, you know, even older than Cavani is delivering the goods in Milan. There should be no reason that Cavani doesn't do the same at Old yeah. Trafford. So all the best to you for the midweek fixture. We're not even going to pretend that we care about the Europa League. I made the mistake of staying up for the snooze fest that was Arsenal playing Rapid V and I certainly won't make the mistake this week. Although, fun fact, 
Dundalk is a small little town in Ireland, and I happen to have met possibly the only guy who's traveled from Dundalk to India. Mm-hmm. So shout out to my man Killian Mulligan. Oh who no! Made from, who made <laughs> okay. it from Dundalk to India mm-hmm. and spent uh, the better part of last year here with us? And we will send him a link of this podcast. Uh, unfortunately, fans are still banned from uh, the stadium, so he's very run down because his favorite team, after his home team, happens to be Austin. Okay, so right. tough going, Killian. But um, yeah, I won't be I won't be up for that match. Well understood, and uh, well, I hope they win anyway, and uh, they get off to a good start. On that note, signing off. Have a good night, brother. Thank you, sir. Same to you.